0: All right. Good evening, everyone. Good to see everyone here in the house of the Lord. I don't think I'm as athletic as Pastor Legrand to come up that big step right there. <laughs> Wasn't going to endeavor that one. Uh, praise the Lord for the doctrine in it. That's in that song right there. And that saving, helping, keeping, loving. He's with us till the end. Praise God for our great Savior. I'm thankful to the Lord for him tonight. Let's go ahead and open with, with a word of prayer this, this evening. Heavenly Father, we bow before you and are grateful to you for your holy word. We're grateful to you that you do save, help, keep, and love us, Lord. Now you are with us till the end. You never leave us. You never forsake us, God, as that song just said. We're grateful for your love toward us, your great love toward us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and in our sins. You quickened us together, Lord, by Christ and by grace we're saved. Those of us who know you this evening, thank you for that. Lord, speak through your holy word, please. Be with our pastor and his wife and their children as they're away. Give them safety and protection. Give them a good trip, please. And give them safety on the road back, please. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're in the book of Galatians this evening, chapter number five. If you'd find your place, please. The book of Galatians, chapter number five. And we'll read a few scriptures together. Be talking tonight with the help of the Lord about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, we're going to look at the contradictions between the works of the flesh at first and the fruit of the Spirit, and then we're going to talk in particularly about the first fruit of the Spirit, which is love this evening, toward the middle or the end of the message. So if you'd follow along with me and keep your Bibles open as we read this evening. Galatians chapter number 5, Galatians chapter 5, we'll start reading in verse number 16, this is the word of the Lord. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest or made known, which are these, and I list some, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do or practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. You know, the grass withers and the flower thereof fades away, the scriptures say, but the word of our God endures forever, and this is the word of the Lord which we have read. The Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, wrote the book of Galatians here. He starts off in verse number one, if you'd look with me, and he says this, Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. In other words, don't fall back into the sin of legalism. Don't add works to grace. Don't pervert the gospel of God's free grace. That's what the entire book of Galatians is about, is those who are trying to go back and it gives warning after warning. Don't go back to the old false gospel, the the adding works to grace that you once did believe. Keep standing for the truth of the gospel. Uh, Paul knew a lot about the struggles of the flesh. If you turn over to Romans chapter 7 with me, please. Keep your place here in our text. The book of Romans chapter number 7. Romans chapter number 7. Let's look uh, at verse number 13. Romans chapter 7 verse 13 says this. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good, that sin might, might, sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. Verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual. Paul said this. But I am carnal, sold under sin. Verse number 18. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. And then verses 24 and 25. Paul said, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin." So Paul exhorts us that it's a daily battle between our inward man and our flesh. It's not something that comes naturally, in other words. None of us are saved and we're automatically perfect Christians, are we? We battle our our flesh, our carnal nature, daily, or we at least should be doing that. If we're in Christ, we should be battling, fighting our carnal man daily. And then in the beginning part of verse 13, Paul tells us, that we have liberty in Christ, back in our text, if you'd look at it with me, but don't live, use this liberty as an opportunity uh, to sin, is what he says. Back in our text, Galatians five 13, I'll read it one more time, it says this, for brethren, we ha- ye have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Um, we have been called to do that according to the scripture, In verse number 21, it tells us that those who practice these sins listed that we read in our text shall not inherit the kingdom of God. If you're practicing these sins, you need to repent and run to Jesus Christ. Turn from those sins. Believe Christ. Uh, Keller says this. Keller said, We are not saved by fruit, but by faith, but not fruitless faith. And I thought that was really good to go with the message when I read that is that we're not saved by fruit but by faith, but not fruitless faith. I'm not talking about working for salvation. We don't do anything to be saved. We could never do anything to be saved in and of ourselves. You and I, anybody could never do a single thing in order to be saved. But we do this because we are saved by the grace of God. Martin Luther said it like this. He said it is faith alone that saves, but the faith that saves is not alone. That's a good quote right there. Thank the Lord that we're saved by faith alone, but it's not alone. In other words, we're not the same. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says this, where we're saved unto good works, right? We're not saved by good works, but we're saved unto good works, the scriptures tell us. There are many who try to do outward works to be saved without ever having an inward change. You find that a lot in your fundamentalist circles of any stripe of religion. There's a lot of efforts to be saved, to put on the right clothes, to have the right speech, maybe to do the right things, and to look good on the outward side, but not having an inward change that is by the grace of God. It never works, never works. Only those of us who are saved by the grace of God and have had that inward transformation by the power of God, we are changed outwardly and uh, its true fruit, as we find here in our text. <clears throat> Alistair Begg said this, We can only work out what the Spirit of God has worked in. Don't listen to yourself, examine yourself. The work of God within us to produce fruit is as a result of something that has happened instantaneously, whereby he has regenerated us by the power of his spirit. The love is super, this love is supernatural. It is not self-generated. It is a work of God. Uh, this fruit is singular, not many fruits, but one fruit. The love of God has been poured out upon us. This is the work of the spirit of God. The outpouring of the love of God is the story of the Bible. It is the unique nature of God himself, God is both light and he is love. He is more than that, but he is not less than that. So in verses 16 through 26 back in our text, we see the contrast between the works of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit. So number one this evening, we'll look at the works of the flesh. Um, we're not going to read it again, but in verses 19 and through 21, it lists the, work of the, the works of the flesh. There are 17 of them in the King James Bible listed there. And some of the other translations I compared it to had less listed, but they were uh, the same things, just worded a little different. But uh, I'll go ahead and list them off. Number one was adultery. The second one was fornication, which is sex before marriage or any kind of sexual immorality. The third one is uncleanness. The fourth one, lasciviousness, which is lustfulness or sensuality. The fifth one was idolatry, that's idol worship, anything that we worship that takes the place of God. The sixth one was witchcraft. We all know what witchcraft is, that there's a work of the flesh. Seventh is hatred. Uh, The eighth one is variance, which is strife, an alteration of the truth, disagreement, or controversy. The ninth one is emulations, which is a desire of superiority, trying to equal or excel others, or jealousy. That's a work of the flesh. The tenth one is wrath, or disputes. The eleventh one is strife, or dissensions. The twelfth one is seditions. That's factions, or opposition to authority. The thirteenth one was heresies. And I find that interesting. I've, I've never really noticed that, that heresy was listed as a work of the flesh, but it certainly is. That, that heresy is a work of the flesh. In Webster's Dictionary, it defines heresy as this. In religion, an error of opinion, respecting some fundamental doctrine of religion. The scriptures being the standard of faith, any opinion that is repugnant to its doctrines is heresy. So heresies is the work of the flesh. And number 14, envyings. Number 15, murders. Number 16, drunkenness. And number 17, revelings. That word simply means carousing, rowdy, disorderly, or a wild party or celebration. Those are all listed as works of the flesh. I'll stop and say this, that according to the word of God, um, adultery is still sin. You know, adultery is still sin. Fornication, that's still sin. Uh, Anything associated with the LGBTQ agenda uh, is still sin. It doesn't matter what it is, it's still sin. Whether it's lesbianism, sodomy, whether it's pedophilia, whether it's bestiality, and the list could go on and on and on because we're getting in darker and darker days the more we live, it is all still sin and against God's holy word. Uh, drunkenness is still sin. To lust after what is not ours is still sin. To put anything before God is still sin. To hate is still sin. To envy what's not ours is still sin. To murder the unborn is still sin. Pride is still sin. Lying is still Is still sin and rebellion to authority is still sin and the list could go on and on this is what the Bible says y'all this is not what I'm saying this is what the Holy Word of God tells us what sin is and we are to stay away from these things as a child of God and not to walk in the works of the flesh but to walk in the Spirit of God and in the fruit of the Spirit God help us to walk in the Spirit. As verse number 16 says, we are to walk in the Spirit, and the scripture says, ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's a promise from God. If we're walking in the Spirit, we shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So the culture tells us that love is accepting of anything and everything, and not to judge. But the Bible tells us that true love speaks truth, and we are to judge righteous judgment according to John chapter 7, verse 24. I think it's Pastor LeGrand says that the two most uh, well-known scriptures in, in the in the Bible is John three sixteen and judge not. <laughs> I think he's about right on that. Anytime you say anything about the truth and about what's right, you always hear judge not. You know, uh, Let me encourage you tonight, stand for the truth. It's not popular in our day and time to stand for the truth, is it? If we stand maybe at our workforce when they're talking about things that are repugnant and that are against God's word, such as an immoral lifestyle, or about maybe a drunken party or telling filthy jokes. You stand out like a sore thumb and you get marked real quick when you take a stand for the truth with a godly attitude, but it's still right to do so. We are to take a stand for what's right and what's true with the spirit of love by God's uh, glorious grace. We should never trust our flesh, our flesh is weak. If we ever think that we have it all together, we're close to falling, the scripture says. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 12. Wherefore, let him that thinketh that he standeth take heed lest he falls. Any one of us tonight, from the pulpit all the way to every one of us in here tonight, is subject to falling. Let's never think we have it all together. Let's always be on guard against our flesh by the grace of God. We see in our text now, back in Galatians 5, Look at verse number 13 with me, Galatians five thirteen. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. Use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. We see in our text um, that we're not to do that. We're not to use our liberty in Christ as an opportunity to sin. You know, that'd be an easy thing to do, wouldn't it? To say I'm in Christ so I can you know, live however I would choose to live. It's not what the scriptures say. The scriptures tell us that if we're in Christ, we should uh, resist the works of the flesh and we should walk in Christ and have the fruit of the Spirit abounding in our lives. So turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 9, please. 1 Corinthians 6, verse number 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 9, and we'll read down through verse number 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 20. The scriptures say, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Meats for the belly and the belly for meats, but God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God hath both raised up the Lord, and will also raise up us by his own power. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ, and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that that which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh." But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And the scripture is abundantly clear when we read this. Verse number 20, uh, notice what it says, For you're bought with a price. And that's, that's what it says. We're bought with a price. If you're here tonight and you have repented of your sins and believe the gospel of Christ, if you've been brought to faith in Jesus Christ and you are a child of God this evening, you are bought with a price. I am bought with a price. And then it says, Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. They're not, our body and our spirit is not ours, it's God's. So the scripture says we're to glorify God. How do we do that? Through obedience to the word of God. That is how we glorify God is through obedience and submission to the word of God. So verse number 11 says though, back in what we read there in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 11, but such were some of you, notice it says that past tense such were some of you but you're washed but you're sanctified but you're justified in the name of the lord jesus and by the spirit of our god those of us who are born again there has been a radical change in us we've been regenerated and born again by the holy spirit of god we've been made a new creation in Christ Jesus. In other words, we're not the same. Amen? I'm glad that I'm not the same person I used to be. God has radically changed my life. If you're in Christ tonight, you're not the same person. And if you say, I haven't changed, you better do some checking up to make sure you're truly a child of God and not self-deceiving yourself. Uh, We're not sinlessly perfect. Let me point that out. We are not sinlessly perfect. When you preach things like this, people automatically are quick to point fingers at you and say, you're a sinless perfectionist. You believe you're perfect and you're holier than thou and, and all these things. But that's not the case. We're not sinlessly perfect, but we're also no longer enslaved to sin. We have been set free by the grace of God, by the blood of Christ. We're a new creation. We're a new creature in Christ Jesus. In other words, the things that we once did, we no longer do because of the change that the gospel has made in our lives. Uh, verse number nine, it gives us a warning in 1 Corinthians 6, look at it one more time with me. 1 Corinthians 6, verse nine says this, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Notice the next three words, be not deceived. Why is there this warning about deception? Because there are so many who are self-deceived. There are multitudes who are self-deceived because there are multitudes who have a head knowledge of things about the Lord Jesus, things about the Bible, but who are not born again. Turn over to the book of Matthew chapter seven with me, please. I could quote it, but I'd, I'd rather turn there and read it. Matthew chapter number seven. The scriptures say this, Matthew chapter seven, verse, verses 21 down through 23. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. The word of God says this, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And those are some chilling words, aren't they? In my opinion, those are the most chilling words in scripture that come to my mind when I think of things that would be chilling or haunting about the scriptures is those who believe they're doing the right things, but yet they're still on the road to hell. They're still on the broad road. They're not on the straight and narrow road. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 5, the scriptures admonish us to examine ourselves whether we be in the faith. Prove your own selves. How do we do this? How do we, how do we see whether we're in the faith? By the scriptures. We get in the scriptures. The scriptures, a mirror that reflects when we look at it honestly, ourselves honestly, according to the word of God, the scriptures. We see our true selves in, re, in the reflection Uh, in the light of scripture that's how we examine ourselves we look at what what does the bible say it means to be a child of god am i like that what does it mean to be saved what is repentance what is belief on christ what is the gospel am i sure i'm not self-deceived in other words i'm not at all trying to place doubt in anybody's mind tonight but I also would hate to come and preach the gospel to to the church with all these people here. I'm I'm certain there's probably somebody that's not even saved. I don't know. It's it's between you and the Lord. But the scriptures say to examine your own self in the light of God's word and see whether you're in the faith. If after self-examination you realize by God's grace that you're not Christ's, run to Christ today, this very moment Repent of your sins, believe the gospel, and confess Jesus as Lord. Jesus already paid the price on the cross of Calvary. He died, was buried, and resurrected on the third day for our justification. He was the innocent dying for the guilty. Hallelujah for the cross. So number one, we looked at the works of the flesh. That's that's the first part of the message. Now number two, we're going to look at the fruit of the Spirit. Number two, now we're moving on to the fruit of the Spirit. What a true disciple of Jesus looks like. What does a true disciple of Jesus look like? A true disciple of Jesus will be recognized by their fruit. Verses 22 and 23, we're not going to read it again, but back in our text, uh, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, it lists the fruit of the Spirit there. There are nine of them listed. The first one is love. second one is joy. Third one is peace. The fourth one is long-suffering or patience. The fifth one is gentleness, kind or tender, in other words. The sixth one is goodness. The seventh one is faith or faithfulness. The eighth one is meekness. Uh, That means gentle, humble, submissive, opposed to pride. And let me just stop and say there, meekness is not weakness. A lot of people think that they can run over meek people and they think that they're easy to take advantage of. You know, our Lord Jesus was meek, the scriptures say. Uh, meekness is not weakness. We should be gentle, humble, submissive to the word of God and opposed to pride and, and over self-confidence that would become pride. And the ninth one is temperance, or self-control. So to a Christian, love is of the utmost importance. We're going to look at the, the first fruit of the Spirit tonight, and that one is love. A lot of Christians believe that love is compromise. Again, back to most of the fundamentalist circles, if you go there, a lot of people believe that if I love this person and they're living contrary to the way I want to live, this, that must be compromising for me. In other words, if I listen to the style of music they listen to, which I feel is wrong, or if, if I'm doing things that they're doing things that are contrary to the way I'm doing them, even though it's not in the word of God expressly forbidden, that must be compromised. That's not true. Love is not compromised. True love is not compromised. If it's biblical love, it is not compromise. We are to stand for the truth in love, with the spirit of love and compassion. So in our text here in verses 13 and 14, look at verse number 13 with me, Galatians 5, 13. It says this toward the end of it, but by love serve one another. But by love serve one another. And then verse 14, it tells us to love thy neighbor. So the first and great commandment is found over in the book of Matthew chapter 22, and I'm going to turn over and read it. Matthew chapter number 22, Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. Matthew chapter 22, verse number 37 and 38. Matthew 22, 37 and 38. The scriptures say, Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. That's the first and great commandment. Then verses 39 and 40 go on to say this. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Who here amongst us doesn't love ourselves, right? Who, you know, we love to have a, we'd spend big bucks on a good, you know, juicy steak or maybe some lobster or shrimp or something we like to eat or maybe a nice, fancy car we like to drive or a nice house we like to live in. None of these things are bad as long as we're not going against what God has told us in our lives to do through his word. But the scriptures tell us that we should love our neighbors as much or even more as than we love ourselves. Verse 40 goes on to say this On these two commandments, hang, notice that three-letter word, A-double-L, all the law and the prophets. Everything hangs on love. You know, that's, a, that's something you and I need to grasp very, very deeply, is that every single thing in our lives is based on this, loving the Lord our God, loving our neighbors. And we should be very quick to do so by the grace and by the help of God. First um, John chapter 4, verse 8 says this, God is love. Verse number 16 says this, and we know that, and we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. First John chapter three, verse 16, says hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. Praise God for that. God's love has no regards To our merit, God didn't look through eternity and say, "I'm going to love them because of how great they are." That is not true. That's what that's what the big religions would have for us to think. We're so awesome. We're so great. God loved us because of us. That's not true. God loved us because of Him. God loved us because He chose to set His love upon us. John chapter three, verse sixteen: For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, had nothing to do with us, had all to do with him choosing by his own sovereign grace to place his love upon us. God never had to love us, but I'm cer- certainly glad that he chose to love us and place his love upon us, his people. Praise God for that. I'll quote Alistair Begg one more time. He said, the love of God towards us that is lavished upon us is without any merit and it is that love to us which is then to flow through us. This is supernatural love. Our love for our fellow man is the validation of our expressed love for God. And I like that. That's so true. That's what the scriptures say. How can a man say, I love God, if he hates his brother? And we're going to read that text here in just a second. The word of God says this about our love. Turn over to First John 4 with me. We'll read, read this scripture together. First John Chapter four, verses twenty and twenty-one. First John chapter four. Verses twenty and twenty-one. The scriptures say this. First John four, twenty and twenty-one. If a man say I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he for he that loveth not his brother, whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath seen, or hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. That's pretty plain and clear right there. So what kind of love is this? We're going to look at three things this evening. Number one, it's a forgiving love. This is a love that forgives with or without apology. That there's a hard love, isn't it? (laughs) I guess all of us have trouble with that kind of love. Um, It's a love that says, you know, I don't care what they did, he or she did to me, um, I'm going to forgive them. Sometimes we receive an apology, thank God for the times we do, many times we don't. But we're still to love and to forgive as Christ loved and forgave us. Turn over to Colossians chapter 3 with me please. Colossians chapter 3. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and then there's Colossians chapter number 3. Verse number 12 down through verse 14. Colossians three twelve through 14. The scriptures say this. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, longsuffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, or put on love, which is the bond of perfectness. Put on love. That there's like when we get up in the mornings, we put on our clothes, right? It's the same thing when we get up in the morning, we put on uh, the Spirit of God, we put on these things, put on love, or or these different uh, things we've listed off this evening as fruit of the Spirit. So number one, we looked at it's a forgiving love. Number two, we'll look at this evening, It's a giving love. It's a giving love. As Christ has loved us freely, cost us nothing. Christ loved us freely. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 14, the Bible says this. Let all things, let all your things be done with love or with charity. Number three, we'll look at not only is it a forgiving love, not only is it a giving love, but thirdly, it's a permanent love. It's a love that never stops loving. It's a permanent love. By the help of God, when we're submitted to the word of God, it's a permanent love. John chapter 15. Well, let's turn over there and read that one more time. Brother PJ read read this to us a few moments ago. We'll read a couple of verses, not the whole thing again, but uh, John chapter 15, verses 12 and 13. John chapter 15, verses 12 and 13. 13 the scriptures say this this is my commandments jesus said this is my commandment that ye love one another as i have loved you boy that's a big big kind of love right there isn't it the word love is jesus loved us verse 13 greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends first uh, peter chapter 3 verse number 8 says finally be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, love as brethren. Also, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 8, the scriptures say this, and above all things, have fervent charity, or fervent love, among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Love shall cover a multitude of sins. Thank God for that. You know, when somebody does you wrong, the first thing we should do is, be loving them. Be loving them. We should be as a loving Christian, as, a, as the first fruit of the Spirit here uh, lists in our text. So we're going to turn over uh, to the book of Colossians, chapter 1. In a few more minutes we'll be done this evening. Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 through 8. Colossians 1, 3 through 8. Book of Colossians, chapter 1, verses 3 down through verse number 8. The scriptures say this: We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love, and of the love which ye have to all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before the word of the truth of the gospel which is come unto you as it is in the world and bringeth forth fruit. Notice that it bringeth forth fruit. What bringeth forth fruit? The gospel brings forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day ye heard of it and knew the grace of God and truth. As ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, uh, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us, Your love in the Spirit. Isn't that interesting? When he was talking about another Christian, he declared to this group here that he was a man who had love for them in the Spirit of God. You know, may that be said of you and I. If someone's talking about you or myself, that we're Grace Community Church here in Kingston, Tennessee, that we're an individual, we're a family, we're a church that loves others. May that be said of all of us, that we love, we have the love of the Holy Spirit of God Um, within us and abounding and springing forth from us we can never produce this fruit on our own or any fruit of the Spirit that is a work of the Spirit of God in our lives Um, and I'm going to turn over um, to John actually I'm not going to turn there I already read that one I'm sorry Um, as I've said before if we're uh, I've heard this said before if, if it were a crime to love someone would there be enough evidence between you and I, or maybe this church, or maybe our family, that we had be found guilty of love. Maybe so. Amen? Maybe so in our lives. Uh, by the grace of God, may, may we be walking in the Spirit of God. And then I'll close this evening reading one more passage about love, and I'll ask you to turn there and read it with me, and then we'll close this evening in a word of prayer together. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 with me, please the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter number 13, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 8, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 8, the scriptures say this, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Charity, vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. And we'll stop there and go to verse 13. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity or love. You know, may that be so of you and I tonight. God help us to be submitted to him and to his word and to walk in the fruit of the spirit, not to fulfill the lusts of our flesh, but rather the fruit of the spirit, and especially as we looked at this evening, the fruit of love. Let's close in a word of prayer this evening. Heavenly Father, I'm grateful to you uh, for your word. Thank you for uh, blessing your word. And we pray that you would speak to each and every heart, Lord, this evening. Lord, help each and every one of us to be people of love. Help us to be people of compassion, to be filled with the fruit of your Holy Spirit, I pray now, please. Lord, uh, bless this week. Help us to do that even this week by your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.